This NBA season, make every three-pointer, alley-oop, and buzzer beater even more exciting with FanDuel. You can bet on everything from first baskets and number of dunks to which player will drain the most threes. Or stack your bets with the same game parlay for a shot to win even bigger. It's quick, easy, and you'll get your winnings fast. So download the app today and see why we're North America's number one sportsbook. Make every moment more with FanDuel. 19 plus and physically located in Ontario. Gambling problem? Call 1-866-531-2600 or visit connectsontario.ca. Hello and welcome to the Buckets and Tea NBA show. I'm your host, Catherine Eicher. Thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode. Today, joining me, you know him, you love him. It's Vivek Jacob. How you doing, buddy? I'm good. Uh, they know me. I don't know if they love me, but I'll take it. They do. <laughs> they do. Whether or not they love me is the one that's truly debatable, but they definitely love you. <laughs> oh man good to have uh, good to have you back on the show um you know we had last time you were here you were covering cricket at like four in the morning you're back to regular hours getting ready for the holiday season upon us do you have any fun plans anything like that uh so 24th doing dinner with family Mm -hmm. and 25th my brother and i are just gonna sit back and enjoy the games Oh, that's so nice. You know, I wonder if anyone else out there is like this, but my family aren't, they're not basketball people. Mm. Like they're casuals, you know what I mean? Like they're casual basketball people, but they're not like, you know, they're not sickos like we are. Yeah. But like, so I can't really watch the Christmas Day games Mm. because they don't want to watch Christmas Day games. Right. And I feel like, I feel like I'm like, the homer simpson of my family like i just want to sit and watch tv i want to do anything and they're like we should you know what i mean yeah i just want to eat and watch basketball is my point yeah but i don't get to do that yeah no that's that's definitely a big uh perk with my brother because my parents are in india so i just messaged him i was like hey did you want to make christmas plans and he was like do you want to watch the games? And I was like, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Plans are set. <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. My, um, my brother has a, an eight month old and, oh, uh, you know, so, but his, uh, his partner is like going to Montreal cause her family's in Montreal. So we're having Christmas with the, with my nephew on the 23rd which is like a first for us. He's not going to remember anything, but I bought him a dancing cactus, which I really am excited for. I just want to see my nephew with a dancing cactus. And then then we're just going to, my mom and I are just going to hang out on like Christmas Eve and Christmas day. And then my brother's going to join us again later. We're very chill with Christmas. We go to the movies. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what movie we're going to see this year though. (laughs) Knowing my mom, it'll end up being the color purple, but it's fine. Ah, uh, I, I went for a Godzilla minus one. That was really good. I hear it's really good. My yeah. mom would never. She would never watch Godzilla. Well, the good thing is it's made like a movie movie. There's an actual storyline. It's not just Godzilla doing crazy stuff. That's I love doing, a real storyline. That's as far as I'll go with the spoilers. Okay, thank you. All <laughs> right, let's 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 get into some basketball talk here. Um <laughs> 
<laughs> that's what the people came for. That's what they came for, you know, not our not our personal lives. But anyway. Yeah. I mean, you had um, Jokic looking like Godzilla minus one last night. Oh, and so and Embiid. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't Embiid have like 50 last night? And, and I think I think he might have sat out the fourth quarter too or again. Oh wow, that's that's <laughs> wild. You know what? Like this isn't on our docket, but I really feel like Embiid is having that like Almost like, remember when Steph Curry won MVP and then people were like really, really debating it? And then he came back and had an even better season. Yeah. The following year. Like, that is like the level that Embiid is at right now. He's crazy. He's crazy. Um, I do. Uh, so I thought last night's win was a big one because obviously playing the Wolves, um, mm-hmm. who have been great this season, I think. I've kind of been waiting on like the bigger games because uh, if you look at the standings, they are like 13 and one against team against sub 500 teams. Right. But six and seven against plus 500. Teams. Okay. So it's like, they've really been beating up on the bad teams. Um, and so that was a good win for them uh, against Minnesota. But uh, you know, even with all the winning that Minnesota is doing, I don't know if people are ready to give them that kind of respect until they see it in the playoffs. Yeah, but I think that's fair. Yeah. I mean, Minnesota is better than I thought they would be this year, for sure. Oh, yeah. I think they've surprised a lot of people. But yeah, I mean, they haven't been out of the first round. So, you know, I mean, we were like that with the Nuggets. Yeah, you know, I think with the Nuggets, I thought... It was just unfair to Jokic because people were just like, oh, how good is he really? Thousand percent. When he was like going into the playoffs without Jamal, without Michael Porter Jr., he had no help. And it's like, oh, you got swept by the Warriors. You're not that good. But it's like, Mm -hmm, man, mm -hmm. this guy's doing everything by himself. And then lo and behold, Jamal's healthy and they get it done. (laughs) Yeah. So true. So true. And uh, what's his name? Michael Porter Jr. as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he was like out for like a year with like yeah. that stuff. Yeah. And then obviously Aaron Gordon, since the trade has just been amazing for them. Mm-hmm. So. Um, okay. Biggest story this week is John Morant's return. And uh, he had an awesome return. I think he scored 35 with the game winning shot uh, against the Pelicans. Um Several things with Jaw, right? Like he uh, obviously, you know, he had that 25 game suspension because of the video with him and guns. He's also been in court and there's these kind of funny videos that have been going viral of him just explaining like what a bounce pass is versus like a chest. Checking a ball. Yeah. Yeah. Checking a ball in court, like with his lawyer and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I, I was reading about this case and I'm like, I can't believe this went to trial because so essentially what happened was in summer 2022, John Morant uh, has he's playing a pickup game uh, at his like home basketball court. Things get a little testy and he punches this teenager in the face and now the teenager suing him and he's gone to court. Because there's a law in Tennessee that says if you feel threatened on your property, you can defend yourself. And he's trying to say that this chess pass that the teenager threw at him was threatening. Yeah. Come on. (laughs) Just give the kids some money and move on with your life. Yeah. 
You punched him. Yeah. Come on. He's a, te- I mean, like, I don't know how big or small this teenager is. Yeah. But. Yeah. What if, he, what if he's like women Yama? <laughs> I'm done. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> What if the teenager is seven foot five? Okay, yeah. fair. Now we have a case. Now we have a case. I just, it's just really bizarre to me because you never see these things actually end up in court, but uh, not totally behind him yet. Uh, there hasn't been an official ruling. I don't know if he's going to be back in court or not. Uh, stay tuned for that. But with this comeback, I mean, suddenly this team looks like they've completely 180 with the return of Jami. Mean, and I know it's only been one game, but do we feel like they can make like a solid run here? Like, where do we feel like this team is at now? So I think they can be a good team. Um, I think they can potentially, you know, try to get back in that play in mix. Cause realistically the play in you, you, you probably, you know, the 10th spot, ninth spot, you're probably looking to be, around 500, a couple games over 500, that might get you into the play-in. So, you know, at 7 and 19, obviously, they're going to need a pretty big turnaround. I think Jaw is capable of that type of turnaround. I just don't think they're anywhere close to being a championship contender uh, or, like, capable of making a deep playoff run just because Steven Adams was so important to them, Brandon mm-hmm. Clark was so important to them, Dylan Brooks was important to them and they never really replaced that. And obviously he's thriving in Houston. So uh, we'll see, you know, what it looks like when Marcus Smart gets back too. But I do think that their best case scenario is being like a 500 team. And so I don't know. uh, It might, it might even get to a situation where, you know, say if they're like seven, eight games under 500 come, you know, like the all star break. break. Yeah. yeah. Do you kind of maybe just pull the plug and say, you know what? This year is not going to happen for us. Uh, our depth isn't quite there. Maybe we just get a decent pick and reload for next year. I completely agree. I think this is a transition year for the Grizzlies. You know, it was nice to see Jaw being, you know, the old Jaw Morant, the electrifying player that we love. But yeah, they got to they gotta tank this year. I absolutely agree. They should they should tank this year. Just, you know, just a one-time tank like we did for Scotty Barnes, you know? Yeah. Just a one-time tank, you know, and then and then run it back next year. The the whole Dylan Brooks thing was so insane when it happened. Like I've never seen a team release a statement being like we're not bringing this player back. Yeah. Why a- wouldn't you just trade him? Like that's the whole thing I never understood. Like if if things were that bad and you knew you were you weren't going to try and re-sign him in free agency, why not trade him? And it's amazing that teams can put out a statement like that over a guy that, you know, they just saw as not fitting on their team anymore. It's but, not like he did anything but, but like the illegal. Same. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, exactly, but can't do the same when it's someone facing, you know, serious <laughs> you know, criminal charges or whatever it may be right yeah yeah i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there no 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 worries uh so yeah i I think uh they miss him i thought it was amazing for dylan to hit the shot against them uh and win the game uh that would have felt obviously just amazing for him 
And yeah, it's it's crazy. You look at the standings now. You know, uh, the Rockets are competitive. They're a 500 team, um, and the Grizzlies are hoping to be that now. Yeah, yeah, so wild. I loved the the Rockets logo in his in his hair. <laughs> that was so perfect. Um, yeah, really happy for Ja. I really hope he can stay out of trouble going forward. You know, I mean, sometimes I feel like we forget, like, he's, like, really young. Like, he's, like, in his early 20s. You know, I feel like he's made some mistakes. I am in that camp where I feel like he's made some mistakes and he can recover from this. Also, like, I, you know, America has such a, like, strange gun culture that I just don't understand. Yep. So, you know, that's a whole thing, too, where I'm kind of like, oh, I'm, like, I, like to the point where I was, like, shocked that it was such a bad look right for the nba because i'm like this whole country loves guns like i don't know yeah yeah no i think it's uh the fact that it was like the second transgression if you want to call it that mm. uh, i think he needed the time i think uh he did i agree he absolutely yeah, needed i think the he time. needed the time and i think it's a good reminder of you know under realizing what's most important um, and so hopefully, you know, that's just a lesson that he needed and has learned from, and we can just enjoy everything that he does on the basketball court because he is pretty damn amazing to watch. Yeah, completely agree. I really hope all of it's behind him. Yeah. Um, okay. Let's move on to the latest, uh, reportedly unhappy, uh, NBA star. And that is Donovan Mitchell. Uh, rumors swirling around the Cavs now that they have, you know, those really bad injuries with Evan Mobley and uh, um, Darius Garland. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I was like blanking on his name. Uh, yeah, yep. that Donovan Mitchell's not going to stay. Um, he's a free agent this year, blah, blah, blah. I feel like they just got him. <laughs> you yeah. know, like my, like my whole thing on this is that like, I feel like people are just so eager to like watch things burn and they want to blow things up all the time. And I think it's getting really annoying. Actually, this is just my perspective as a fan. I feel like to me, if you're the Cavs, sure, make a move at the deadline, but try and, you know, show Donovan Mitchell that you want to win. You know what I mean? Like, like, why not? I, mean, I thought they showed that by getting him in the first place. <laughs> right. Like, this is, like, not a bad team. They're kind of struggling right now. They believe they won last night or they won recently. And it, I just feel like, why wouldn't you double down on this? Yeah. No, you know I, what I, I mean, I completely agree. And, you know, he's under contract for next season as well. So they really don't need to. Uh, oh, he is. My apologies. Then. Yeah. yeah. No, no, no. I right. thought all this talk was happening because he's a free agent. No, they're kind of. Oh God, that's even just saying. Oh, they need to jump the gun and just get ahead of things. Oh, and that's so panicky. Max value for him and that type of thing. Uh, but yeah, I I kind of say, hey, why not just like ride this out? Where you know, once Garland comes back, once Mobley comes back, you'll you'll still be a pretty good team. I think. People still see the ceiling as as being a first round exit, mm -hmm. which you know might be accurate because you know you don't see them meet, beating Boston or Milwaukee or Philly. Uh, you know maybe if they played in Orlando, uh, they'd like their chances. But 
I think the summer is probably the time to evaluate that. And, yeah. you know, still having a full year on his deal, uh, then you can see, you know, okay, is it, is it time to move on? Is it time to, you know, find some different pieces? Uh, and then, you know, I think the other thing that kind of has accelerated this kind of talk is Evan Mobley not necessarily taking the offensive steps that people hope for, right? Like everyone views him as this amazing uh, defensive player, you know, all defensive team candidate, defensive player of the year, uh, one day possibly. And so the offense has to come good with him too, you know, and I, I don't think he's made the strides there that's needed. So, and I think they still need to figure out the whole Jared Allen, Evan Mobley thing, right? Is yeah. that the best long-term option? Do they need, and, and the biggest thing they need is a, a wing defender, a wing scorer, you know, like, you know, not to throw it out there, but OG like an OG and an OV. Everyone needs OG and an OV. Everyone does. Everyone really does. And so it's uh, it's nice that the Raptors have him. Too bad they can't win any games. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Everyone needs OG, including yeah. us. And um, yeah, I I look. I agree. I feel like we're pushing the panic button on this way too early. They've only had Donovan Mitchell for a full season. And then now this year, I mean, last year, January, you scored 70 points. Yeah. Didn't you have like 71 points or something in a game? Yeah. Come on, man. Like, just give it some time. I, you know, I just feel like everybody's in a rush and I get it. But the panic I feel from fans with certain teams, it just happens too quickly. You know, like Raptors kind of like frustration and panic. I understand certainly at this point. You know, the Atlanta Hawks, I get it. But this Cavs team hasn't been together long enough. No, I agree. And and again, like part of it is just going to be the growth process, right? Like Evan Mobley, at the end of the day, we, you know, we can talk about his sh uh, offensive shortcomings, but he's 22 years old. He's the same age as Scotty yeah. Barnes. Like just because, you know, maybe, you know, you look at the way Scotty is doing and you're thinking, oh, this is a disappointment. Like, no, just bigs in general take more time to develop right mm -hmm. like i think in terms of a raptors example jonas valanciunas was like a prime example of that right like it took him some time obviously you know his staples were his rebounding and whatnot but then they were also like trying to turn him into a different player right like first they were like oh we want you to be a bruiser inside then the league was changing it was like okay we want you to be able to shoot and so like take more jumpers and this and that and then then now he's just all in on like i am just gonna get in there and beat the crap out of guys and this is what i do <laughs> yeah yeah it's true yeah He'll i knocked down the odd three but mm -hmm. you know he knows where his bread, bread and butter is now yeah i think too we need to give younger players in the league just like a little more time because like you know for example from the same draft class you know Cade cunningham keeps getting criticized for like not being able to handle the ball well. I think, you know, he turns over the ball a lot, but he also scores over 20 points and has at least five assists. So it's like, and he's also on a really bad team and he was injured for like almost all of last year. And it's like, can we give this guy a break? Like maybe he's just doing, maybe he's just forced to do too much on a really bad team. Like, I don't know why people are like writing this guy off. I'm like, he's actually like a really good player. I don't know. Yeah. And like, 
good like organizational leadership really really matters right mm-hmm. i think when you look back even with the trust the process sixers like those first initial years they were just like oh we're going to be really really bad and nothing else matters and you never had like vets around Joel Embiid or Ben Simmons or whatever and you saw like uh, I mean there were other guys that were impacted by it too right and I think uh who's the big that they drafted um I forget his name now but uh yeah I, I think they've had bad situations play out because they didn't have any veteran presence uh mm-hmm. and so uh I think that balance that you need to strike in building a team up, even if you're going to be bad, isn't there. And so uh, I think Jalen Green is a good example where this is the first time he has leaders like Fred Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. And if you look at the situation before that, like, go ahead, go take all the bad shots you want. And now they're slowly trying to like cut that out of his game. Right. And I think now they're on a path where even a coach like Ime Udoka is going to be direct, right? Like that's a bad shot, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think there will now, like you can see the light at the end of the tunnel for him in terms of like, Hey, okay. If they cut this out, they cut that out. He'll get there. Right. But if you watched last year, it was like, he can do whatever he wants. No one cares. Um, I think yeah. Kevin Porter Jr. was on that team. It was like, he could do whatever he wants. No one cares. You've got this guy, Jabari Smith Jr., who's trying to develop. No one cares, you know? <laughs> so yeah, I, I think all that stuff plays into it. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, another thing I want to ask you about. So at the start of the season, you were on the pod, and we talked about, you know, the in-season tournament and what it could look like and what we think, you know, its impact would be, blah, blah, blah. Now that it's over, we got to talk about, we got to talk about this banner. Jaleel Okafor. That, it was bugging me. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> that's the Philly big who like just completely lost his way. Got it. Thank you. I also wasn't sure who you were referring to. I was like, um, love that. Love that for us. And the listeners, most <laughs> yeah. importantly. Oh, yeah. Okay. We got to talk about this banner. This banner went up in LA this week to um, to tepid re- applause and chagrin from LeBron James. I got, okay, listen. When, when, when the in-season tournament was happening, I liked it. Didn't like the courts per se, but I liked it. And I liked... You know, I like the moment in Vegas. You know, I like that LA one. I liked the little medals that they got. And then the second they started spraying champagne on each other, I was like, I'm out. I'm out. Because to, uh, it, now we have, instead of, you know, making the regular season more important, we have made championship celebrations less important. Champagne in the locker room should be more sacred than this. Should it? Yes. And so should a banner. I, mean, I, I I think the banner is so stupid. I'm but I think what what I'm okay with is they said it's like gonna be one banner and like the more you win, it's just they're just gonna tack on the years. Like you know when you go to Scotia Bank Arena, they have like 
the division banner and it just has like all the years that they've won it as yeah but to, that's like, a bigger accomplishment is it winning your division having the best record in your division that takes 82 games to achieve yeah but i mean i think with a knockout competition i get it's only seven games but um the fifa world cup is seven games <laughs> That's completely different. <laughs> That's the uh, World Cup. I, I think also you, there's other games that determine like your rankings and like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I think it is important to give it importance, or else it's just gonna like, what are we really playing for? I I, I actually didn't like that they played the semifinals and finals in Vegas. Like, I thought they lost something like that home court effect that was there in the quarterfinals where you had the home team like really yeah trained. like i thought that was lost and i think especially like in a knockout tournament i think you should have some way of determining who has home court for the semis and the finals um and i think that would make it more fun uh yeah maybe you know when the league expands to 32 teams they can make it more like world cup style um, and the one thing I would like to see is I didn't like that the groups had a very like divisional look in that, you know, it was separated by conference. Um, and so obviously I get there's a lot of logistics that went into it, but I think to really, you know, build some more excitement in the group phase, I think the groups should be uh, interconference. Like, I think right. there should be a healthy mix of West and East teams. And then it's like, oh, wow. The, you know, the Raptors are grouped with the Suns or the Warriors or whoever, right? And I think that builds some added excitement to it, too. I like that idea. I think um, I agree with you on the Vegas part. And I think for all this talk about Vegas expansion, they did themselves no favors. Because that crowd was not into it the way any other nba city crowd would be you know what i mean like yeah like it, like they just and i get that they don't have a home team but i was like are these even basketball fans or are these just like tourists who thought it'd be funny to go to a game or something like you know what i mean like i was just like yeah. who are these people like i i was really like not super into the vegas expansion like definitely I'm pro Seattle first at this point yeah. <laughs> um, before, before Vegas, because that was like, that was really a lackluster crowd. I felt like it kind of took some excitement out of the game itself because you want these games to have that playoff like atmosphere. And, and I just felt like it during the very finals, the Lakers one kind of had that because they were able to get enough Lakers fans and, you know, you talk about which fan bases like travel and which fan bases don't travel like Lakers fans travel. Right. But, uh, you know, also just like geographically, like the proximity between L.A. and Vegas is so much closer. So there's that, too. But Lakers fans are everywhere. where like Indiana Pacers fans. Not so much. But maybe it should be like, you know, the all star game where like the tournament gets hosted in a different city every year. Yeah, I could get behind that. That might be cool. You know what I mean? Like, it would be cool if, like, you know, we hosted one year and then, you know, 
yeah, I, I think because at least then you have like an NBA audience. Right. But I, I am firmly against the champagne celebration. I'm firmly against the banner. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I do think that I do think a division title is a is a much larger accomplishment um, than this. Yeah. I, you know, the in-season tournament, I, I don't want to always be so cynical, but it is fake hype. It doesn't actually mean anything. I, I kind of don't care about the half million dollars. But does it not players, mean like I, because it's just started? Like, does it not need <clears throat> history? No. In my opinion, no. What I think would make this mean something is if, let's say, the winner of the in-season tournament gets home court advantage no matter where they place in the playoffs. And then if for some reason you don't place in the playoffs, then you just lose that advantage. That, to me, would be huge. So, like, for the Lakers, let's say you know, at the end of the the season, they're fifth in the West. They'll have home court because they won the in-season tournament. So would you say home court throughout the playoffs or just the first round? I would say throughout the playoffs. Because to me, that is like, that's really, really worth something. Like now the in-season tournament would really matter. Because now there's like huge consequences for it. Yeah. Now but people that, would be like, oh, this isn't fair, blah, 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 blah. But, but I like- that, that goes back to your initial point about, well, it's just seven games to determine that, right? I mean, well, what was it, six games? That's fair. It could be longer. <laughs> it could be longer. Yeah. Okay, maybe just for the first round. Yeah, I could potentially get behind, uh, you know, the first round if they make the playoffs where it's like, okay, if you're – um, if you're in the top six, like, so if you're five or six, then you will have home court for that, that first round. Um, if you make it through the play-in, I think that would be cool. Uh, where it's like, oh, wow, this, this team made it through the play-in. Now they're the eight seed going up against the one seed and now they have home court. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like you know, as a fan, it's like, congratulations, you have $500,000. I don't, I'm not, like, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. No, like, I, I just, don't, I just don't care how much players make. I know there's players at the end of the bench who make less and like 500000 is like a significant amount of money for them. And that's great. But it's like, but I'm just not, you know what I mean? I'm just not invested in that as a fan. It's it's apparently just uh, vacation money for D'Angelo Russell. Just a one week vacation. Is that what he said? Uh, yeah, he was like, "What? What is the five hundred k mean?" He was like, "Well, uh, takes care of my all star break vacation." And I was like, "All right." Wow. <laughs> just wow. they're just in a different stratosphere. <laughs> yeah, I can't even imagine spending that amount of money on in a week. <laughs> okay, sure. Okay, private jet, private yacht. <laughs> Chef. Private and personal everything. (laughs) (laughs) Basically. Yeah. Basically. Oh, my God. Um, All right. Anyways, I just had to revisit that topic with you. And then I had to talk about this banner because I was just I had a visceral reaction against it. And so did LeBron James. Okay, even if he says. 
you know, it's all cool and blah, blah, blah. You can see if you look back at the clip, you see the expression on his face. He is not about that life. <laughs> he's like, he's like looking around like, can I get like, like, you know, pretending to look at his watch, so to speak. Like, when can I get out of here? He's like, is this done? Cool. And like runs to the bench. He wanted no part of this. No part of this. And I'm pretty sure the Lakers didn't want any part of it either. But the league just made them do it. Because they were all like, we only hang championship banners, blah, blah, blah. Now they're like, I guess not. Yeah, no, it, it, it was definitely like a league thing. Like, again, it's part of their mission to make it feel important. Right. You just said it right there. Make it feel important. Yeah. But that, but that's the, that, that's the effort you as have opposed to, make to right it now. actually being important. Like I could, I guess I just think about it from a soccer perspective, where they they have the league format, right? And at some point, someone would have introduced, like in England, the the league is the Premier League. That's the biggest thing. And then there's the FA Cup. That first year, they introduced the FA Cup. I don't know how many people would have cared, right? But now, it's it has like over a hundred years of tradition and whatnot. Like I, who knows, you know, that first NBA sure. season where people are saying, why do we have these playoffs? Why doesn't it just go like you played all these games? Why isn't that worth something? Why do you now have to play the playoffs to get this other trophy? Like, why doesn't the trophy just go to the, uh, the team that won the regular season? You know, I, I'm sure there are people questioning that too. So I think, it's good. There's going to be aspects of it that definitely look gimmicky for the short term. Right. But I think it's something they have to do to make it have meaning in the long term. Okay. I respect it. <laughs> I respect it. Um, okay. Let's move on to our Raptors Homer moment. Our Raptors, you know, we continue to struggle a bit, blah, blah, blah. Fans get restless. I feel like I'm saying the same thing every week. Yep. Um, but we had uh, a new, you know, a bit of a shakeup to our, our starting lineup. Like, what do you think of these adjustments that Darko's making? Do you feel like uh, they can make a, a difference long term? Would you make other adjustments? Where are you at with this team? Um. Yeah, I, I've been wanting a change to the starting lineup for, I want to say, closer to three or four weeks now and i think we've seen enough i think uh you know the fact that we're seeing Jacoperto get benched in the fourth <clears throat> quarter uh show that you know they don't have uh, that much confidence in that lineup and i'm i'm just not understanding why the change hasn't happened yet and i get that darko keeps saying that uh you know he wants to give them a chance to like find their groove and he doesn't want to make changes too quickly, but like we're a third of the season in like mm -hmm. how much more do you need to see? And uh, you know, why would say even one good game or one hot start now change your mind on what you've seen for the 27 games, you know? And uh, yeah, I get on some level you're, you're making the argument that, Oh, well, Gary Trent jr. Hasn't done much off the bench to like, validate validate like taking someone's spot but he's also been much better as a starter throughout the course of his career right mm -hmm. and i think he is someone that needs those open shots created by scotty or pascal or you know and and so i think 
I think the case is like set in stone at this point. I, I, it couldn't be more rock solid. So yeah, just we all want to see something different, I think. Um, and and yeah, I think it's long overdue. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I don't, I do feel like, um, sorry for YouTube audience, I'm having a Ricola because uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm battling a bit of a cold right now. But, um, you know, I feel like Darko in large part was hired to give these players more of a chance. Do you know what I mean? Like, like that's kind of what he was brought to do because the whole criticism last year with Nurse, well, one of the criticisms with Nurse last year was that he wasn't giving these players enough chance and he was riding the starting lineup into the ground. So, you know, he is giving a longer leash and like you don't want to get to a point where that ends up being like an overcorrection for last season, you know, but also like I'm a big believer in like you ha you got to earn your spots. You got to earn your minutes no matter what. Like doesn't matter what you get paid or blah, blah, blah. Like always earn your minutes. And I do feel like, yeah, why not shake it up at this point? I mean, we're currently we're currently 12th in the East, which is like certainly worse than what I thought this team would be. And I wasn't necessarily predicting us to be like playoffs. I kind of thought we would be more in the play in mix at yeah, this point was, than we currently are. Scenario, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. The one thing I would say is, yeah, Darko was uh, brought in to give players more of a chance, but I think he was specifically brought in to bring, uh, to give the young players more of a chance. And so if you look at it, right. Dennis Schroeder's 30, Jakob Bertel's 28, Gary Trent Jr.'s 24. So if anything, it would just be, uh, you know, more in line with what the Raptors are trying to do this year. Yeah, it really, like... It makes the Yaka Pirtle trade last year feel not as good, doesn't it? Oh, I, I haven't felt not that good I about ever it. felt good about it. Yeah, I didn't never like it. felt good. It was always confusing. It was always a head scratcher. So when Actually, did that's you... not true. I did feel good about it in that I was like, we finally have a center. Right. From that perspective, I felt good about it. But otherwise it was confusing. Yeah. I so when the deal went down, it it happened the night before trade deadline day. Right. And the impression that gave me was that that was going to be the beginning of a busy trade deadline for the Raptors. I thought, right. I thought it was okay. Jacoperto is here. You've begun like restructuring the roster because right then it was like, okay, well, if you have Yak and Pascal and Scotty starting like, that is just not enough spacing. Like, what else is going to change here, right? That was my thinking. And so the fact that the trade deadline went by, trade deadline day went by, and nothing else happened was shocking to me. Then I was like, okay, what what did you just do? Because <laughs> um, the other thing for me was part of why I was patient with you know restructuring the roster was you don't want you don't want to get a center just for the sake of getting a center and so to me if you're going to put a center beside pascal and scotty it should be a center that can space the floor mm -hmm. now there aren't that many of them around but that is the position you put yourself in by having pascal and scotty together and so 
to me, to have taken all that time without a center and then just got, and then you just go and get a traditional center as opposed to one that would have fit better alongside Scotty uh, and Pascal. That to me just didn't make any sense. Right. I agree. I think that's an excellent point. I mean, I was also really confused that we traded our draft pick this year for Yakaperto because I was like, wait, don't we don't we want that pick? Um, I mean, I know it's like top six protected and stuff, but I was like, wait a second. I thought we we wanted that. So yeah, it, it's super confusing. I mean, the direction of this team or lack of direction has been confusing. And I know there's a lot of people out there that like are believers. And actually, this was kind of my next question for you was, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are, that are like, hey, like Scotty and Pascal Siakam can play together. And in fact, they should play together. And instead of just building around Scotty, why aren't we building around both of these players? Yeah, I, I think the big uh, X factor there has been Scotty's shooting this season, right? Like one of them had to become a shooter for it to become feasible. And I think now the fact that Scotty has made such big strides with his three-point shot, you can start to make sense of it, right? Right. I think, uh, ideally, you would still want uh, a better three-point shooter in your point guard. Um, mm-hmm. ideally you would want a center who can at least knock down, you know, a 16 footer an 18 yeah. footer, you know, like <laughs> that, that's the other problem with Yak. It's not, it's not that he can't even shoot threes. It's like, he can't, when he's operating out of the elbows, for example, um, he can't even pull up for, for that jumper. Right. And right. when you think about, you know, say for example, Marcus all right, whether he was at the three point line or he was operating out of those elbows, right? Like he could always survey the floor. And then he also had the option of just being able to rise up for the shot. And that also forces defenders closer to you. It opens up passing lanes, that type of thing, right? And so I think that's what makes things so clunky uh, with Jacoperto right now. And yeah, it's it's just a, a, it's a bad fit outside of that and it's like again i think with scotty and pascal together you have to really nail everything that's around them right and mm-hmm. and you know i think jacoperto is a really good player he just has to be in the right situation right? do you know if his shooting percentage went down because i felt i i thought he had a better outside shot than he currently has Oh, no. I mean, I don't he, have that in front of me, though. Yeah. I mean, he's never been, he's never any, been that any kind of a, a jump shooter. Um, so I think, you know, for him, his it's it's my areas... European bias that I thought he had. That. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, he he's shooting 80 percent at the rim this season, which is fantastic. Uh and, you know, even, you know, I think those four to eight feet, like he, he's solid from there. He, he can make things happen there. But everything outside of that, is, I think, is just a challenge for him. So, uh, unfortunately, you know, that's just the situation that the Raptors have put themselves in. And, you know, they backed themselves into a corner pretty much last season. Yeah. 
and they just keep going further and further into that corner. Mm-hmm. We'll see where they land up. Yeah. Um, are you like, are you a believer in Precious Achua? Like, do you feel like he has a lot of growth? Do you feel like his ceiling is a lot higher? Or do you feel like he's kind of, you know, he is who he is? Um, I think Precious Achua is too inconsistent to see that, like, theoretical ceiling that we all do. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know... Uh, his reading of the game isn't the best. And so I think in the best case scenario, he's like a seventh, eighth man on your team, uh, on a good team. I agree. Uh, and so, yeah, I, I just, I just think there's too many mistakes. There's too many plays where he looks lost. Um, and, you know, obviously his athleticism will take him, to certain places and that's where we kind of get teased and we get excited and it's like mm-hmm. wow that was incredible um but but it'll take you to a few spots but uh it's not it's not gonna buy you a plane ticket yeah yeah i feel like we've just we've got like a lot of solid bench players in our starting lineup i hate to say that but it's just <laughs> that's kind of the reality of the situation with this team and i think we all are kind of as much as we might be like emotionally attached to certain players and there's certain players that like on this team that I love and I'll follow them, you know, wherever they go, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I am looking forward to, to shaking this up a bit. Yeah. We, I think we all are. <laughs> yeah. Um, with that being said, let's move on to our hottie highlight of the week. And this was a quite a confusing moment that went uh, viral on the internet. And this is going to an OG Raptor, Alvin Williams, who <laughs> had a very awkward interview during um, a post Raptor segment uh, at Real Sports Bar. Um, I'm not sure who this host is. Also, the editing in this clip is weird. Like, our assistant coach keeps, like, popping in and popping out of, like, the middle of the frame. Oh, so I think the tweet you're talking about, they've yes. just, like, clipped all the bad moments from the show. Like, Yeah, I was like, what is heated. going on? Yeah, yeah. So it's it's like a 20-minute post-game show that they do. Um, and this and was... you can watch the full 20 minutes on, on YouTube. Yeah. And so this actually happened about a month ago. Oh, really? It only went viral this week. Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess this person just happened to catch that episode and was like, this is awkward. Um, And then they clipped it all together. So no one's watching this post game show. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) People have only caught on a month later. Literally like all through Raptors Twitter, it went viral. So like no one's watching this show. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the show's still going. So I assume they're cool now. But (laughs) but uh yeah obviously this guy was like oh it's like really hard to make you laugh blah 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 i was like good lord (laughs) alvin williams is having none of it yeah yeah which i appreciate you don't need to yes and anything when you feel slighted or insulted (laughs) yeah so obviously super awkward but i'd like to think that 
Well, I really thought this happened this week, and now I'm super disappointed. <laughs> it went viral this week. Like, if you look at um, even just the clips, like, it should say the game. And then I think at the end it says next game, you know. Not it? not the one that I saw. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it's like, oh, next game is November. Oh, Vivek, what are, what are we going to what are we going to do? <laughs> what are we going to do with this hottie highlight segment? Well, I mean, I think it shows that vibes only take you so far and you need some wins. <laughs> it's true. And, you know, this was kind of my question going into the season. It's like, yeah, it's, it's great to, you know, Talk about, oh, all this joy and playing with joy and everyone's got a smile on their face and this and that. But like these are, you know, type A competitors. How, you know, how many smiles are we going to see when they're like 10 and 15 or, you know, 9, nine and 15 as they are now? Um, 11 and 16. There we go. <laughs> so. do, do you feel like Darko is like too jolly? Yeah, I mean, I think he just comes off as a bit naive at times and it's oh. like uh you know when he said the whole like dinner party for three wins i was like come on like, i know <laughs> we talked about that on here quite a bit he was yeah. really trashed for that yeah and so stuff like that is is a bit weird i think you know even with the starting lineup change like you know what what are you waiting for like is like has the front office told you they want Dennis Schroeder starting because they just gave him a mid-level exception contract? They, are they saying you have to start Jakob Pertl because you know they just gave up a first-round pick for him? Like, it just doesn't make sense at this point because it's been so bad. Uh, and so I think I think it's been a struggle. Um, and yeah, I think he can afford to be a bit tougher on the guys. And I think on some level that kind of carries over onto the court too, where like, honestly, even like the Nuggets game last night, there were times when they were going in for dunks layups. And I was like, can you guys like contest here? Can you guys, <laughs> like, be a little bit physical. <laughs> yeah. Um, And yeah, I think that sort of toughness, I mean, either, they're not really sold on you know what he's selling they're not buying what he's selling or you know they feel like they can get away with it you know? well it's hard to buy what he's selling when you're not winning games yeah right and and again going back to you know is he not hard enough on them like maybe on some level they feel like you know they can have these plays where they switch off defensively or you know aren't physical enough or aggressive enough or whatever because they feel like they can just get away with it mm-hmm Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, you know, you, when you were, or at least when I was in school, like Indian school teachers were pretty, pretty harsh, but then you had the ones that were pretty lenient. And so all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're trying to get away with a lot more. And, and so that's so true. And so, you know, maybe there's a bit of that right now. Maybe, but also it's like, getting away with it but also like when you're not winning it's harder to be motivated to do the little things yeah it's like 
this is we don't have a winning strategy this isn't going to change anything anyway <laughs> yeah yeah like i think a lot of us could relate to like not being motivated at a job yeah and then you just kind of start slacking off on like these little things right and then accumulatively uh it makes a difference but in this case they have like millions of people watching so it's obvious yeah were <laughs> <laughs> you at your desk job or just kind of like low-key dipping to starbucks for a while yeah, there, there's no quiet quitting. Or just having a nap at home if you're doing it virtual, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. All right. I mean, well, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to be patient with... I, I guess the other thing, too, that kind of the, the underlying factor here is I think we'd all be willing to be more patient with Darko if there was a clear direction of, hey, we're in a rebuild now. Yeah, thousand percent. That again, going back to how, what my initial thoughts were with the Yacht trade. My initial thoughts when they got Darko was, "Oh, they're going for a rebuild." Yeah. And I was like, "Here we go. Here's you know, we're gonna get the Pascal trade or you know whatever, and you know you're gonna have this rookie head coach, and it's gonna take some time, and it is what it is." But now, because you've kind of gone in the middle and you still haven't picked a direction, on the one end, you are gonna get criticized for not you know making winning decisions and then you're also like oh okay well the development's not really happening either and so yeah i, I think that's an underlying part of it too where if there if it was clearly hey you are in a rebuild it's a lot easier to kind of live with some of the stuff we've seen with darko um when darko was first hired and they had that press conference outside and they gave the media free ice cream. Yes. And they were like, this guy can do it all. If we want to rebuild, if we're headed to the playoffs, no matter what direction we go in, Darko can do it. Darko's our guy. And, and you're sitting there eating ice cream as this is being said to you. Were you a believer? No. Um, even with the Hagen Doss. <laughs> even like, with the Hagen Doss, you were you were not you were not convinced in that moment. No, I was not. I, I just I mean obviously <laughs> he 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 does have like really good coaching experience and he's been an assistant coach at the highest level. Like I just think generally um even like Nick Nurse coming in as a rookie NBA head coach was different because he had been a head coach with the G League and won there. He had been a head coach uh, in Europe and won there. And so there was like this winning pedigree to him, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we haven't really seen that with Darko. Um, and yeah, I, I, I just feel like there's mistakes being made that I could live with if this team was in a full rebuild and part of the rebuild is this head coach. That's kind of raw and is going to need some time. Yeah. But as long as you are in this position where you have Pascal and Scotty, it's like, okay, well maximize them, like play better. And and that's where, you know, it's in conflict and none of it really makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that's very fair. I mean, I remember, um, I mean, I'm paraphrasing cause this was a while ago, but there was like an, uh, I was it an interview or was I reading it about Nick nurse? And he was like, 
you know, you need as much head coaching experience as possible because you need experience being the guy who addresses the team and you need experience being the one who's held accountable and that that really matters over time when that's like probably the biggest difference between being an assistant and being a head coach is like, you are the one. And I feel like that does like, we have seen like people who have been assistants for a long time struggle with that. Like, like, like Adrian Griffin with the Bucks right now is a yep. really great example of that, right? Like he was a beloved assistant coach for many, many years, and he's struggling to be that one who addresses the team and getting this sort of buy-in because he hasn't done that before. So I think that's like, you know, Nick Nurse kind of in his weird, you know, squirrely way <laughs> realized that and was able to bring that here and he knew how to do that. Um which is why that's been very effective. And obviously he's doing well now in Philly. So yeah, I think there's definitely something to be said for that. And, you know, when you know you're in a rebuild, it's easier to watch a losing team because you don't have expectations of them. And then you can just appreciate the growth and then you're there for the ride. Yeah. 100%, 1000%. I think the lack of clarity is the main thing that's behind the angst that a lot of Raptors fans are feeling. And the sooner we have that clarity, the sooner we can, you know, at least direct that angst in the right way. Because it's like, again, it all just comes back to, are we trying to win? Are we rebuilding? Like, well, what is the goal here? And sitting at 11 and 16, the season going sideways, uh, not feeling like you have a coach that can maximize uh, the group. It's... Uh, it's not great. I want you there, Vivek. I want you there in that press room, trade deadline day. And I want you asking Masai all the tough questions. Hey, if they let me in, uh, I'll gladly ask. We need you, Vivek. <laughs> we need you. Um, okay, well, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining me this week, as always. Uh, Vivek, let us know um, what you're up to and where our listeners can find you on the internets. Yeah, first off, thanks so much for having me, Catherine. This was a blast. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Vivek M. Jacob. And uh, I will have a couple pieces out for Sportsnet shortly. One will be uh, just uh, getting a look at, you know, who the big contenders for the individual awards are, whether it's MVP or most improved or whatever. Um, and then another one is like a Christmas wish list for each NBA team. And so, <laughs> and so you can look forward to that over the coming days. Um, yeah. And I think that's everything uh, to all the RR followers, listeners, subscribers. Happy holidays. Yes. Happy holidays, everyone. Thank you so much for listening again. Thank you for watching on YouTube. Uh, I believe I will have an episode next week to recap the Christmas games and all that fun stuff. So I will see you again right before the new year. Uh, enjoy your Christmas for those who celebrate and we'll catch you next time. Bye.